that was Going Longkawi by Jimmy Fong and the Baby Boomers. Belinda Jackson was recently in Malaysia, where she visited two island states, the historic Penang and the many natural wonders of Longkawi, which has UNESCO's status for its geopark. Belinda stayed in a resort that was 90% jungle and teemed with wildlife. Not that she was too thrilled to find one of the locals got a bit too close for comfort, stole her coconut drink and ignored attempts to be shooed away. That was until a uniformed security guard appeared and there was no further monkey business. Belinda told her story to Graham Kemlow. As foretold last week, Belinda Jackson's back with us again to talk about a recent visit to Malaysia. And in this instance, she's talking about the Malaysian state of Langkawi. And uh, I happen to have been there, so I'm going to listen with interest as she talks about the places that uh, that she visited. So welcome back, Belinda. I'm always happy to be back. It's lovely to have you there. So um, you flew into the airport at Langkawi, I assume straight out of KL, yeah? Yeah, for Australians, you can do a direct flight uh, from Melbourne or Sydney with Malaysian and then connect on to Langkawi. So it's it's quite simple and the connection times are, are timed well, so it's maybe two hours transit time. Okay. And my bags my bags came with me. Uh, what do you mean? <laughs> they they <laughs> arrived. <laughs> they arrived. I think half the world has lost its luggage at the moment. Well, yeah. So talk to us about Langkawi. I really loved Langkawi, I've got to say. We arrived there to, to have a group of dancers perform at the airport for us. I was with a, a group of journos. It was a fantastic sort of airport welcome. What happened to you? Did you did someone ha- put a lay around your neck or the equivalent? <laughs> no, no, I just looked for my driver and jumped in the car. So, right. <laughs> but I, d- I did notice Langkawi Airport's interesting because um, Langkawi is a duty-free zone, so, so oh, yeah. it's just got... Duty-free shops everywhere and everybody rushes up there and just buys up crazily. It's always been good value if you love a gin. And gin is important to drink in the tropics. keeps the mozzies away, particularly when you throw tonic in with it. I Uh, I do think it's the tonic, Graham. I think you're selling this information. Someone told Uh, me it doesn't work if you don't have gin. (laughs) Okay, I'll I'll, uh, I'll test it for you. I'm prepared to go with that explanation. (laughs) So tell us about Langkawi. It's got a sort of a, a wonderful history as well. Uh, well, Langkawi, I mean, you, first you've got to think about the position of Langkawi. It is, it is so it is an island and actually part of a uh, small archipelago on the, um, on the western side of Malaysia. And it is the last stop before Thailand. So yeah. it's surrounded, it's in the Strait of Malacca. And uh, which was, you know, a, a incredibly important ship trading zone, straight, trading yeah. straight. Yeah. Mm. So, so you've got Langkawi. Then further down, you'll go to Penang and and uh, and down the coast there. But I stayed on the north on the northern coastline, and literally we looked out to the next island across, which was a Thai island. So yeah. We, yeah, we were looking at at Koh Tao Tao, which bit too far to I swim, think, but it's interesting to see it over there. Which is important because it used to be a prison. So I think there was a reason oh. why it was a prison island at one point. Yeah. Oh, so okay. now it, now it's a national park. But you yep. can um yeah, you, you can take a you can you can paddle. I mean people do cross it, of course, now, but, mm. but it is yeah, that's an international border. So location wise, Langkawi has always been has always been very important. Yeah. Now now it's 
I quite like the fact, what I like about Langkawi is that it, there is a, a, a strong sense of preservation on the island because it is, yeah. uh, parts of it, you know, are just so beautiful. They are native jungle. They have incredible wildlife that has been preserved by its island status that you won't necessarily find on the mainland. So, you know, its indigenous uh, wildlife is, is uh, astonishing and quite prolific as well. Now, I hear you had a, a contretemps with a macaque. Speaking of yeah. wildlife. Oh, my goodness, yeah. You know, I had um, I had a really packed itinerary, but I did sneak. I, I said, right, I'm going to be total tourist for an hour. And I took myself down to the beach, ordered a coconut, as you do, because mm. it, I really do think that's probably the better, more healthy option than the gin, than the tonic. And drank my drank my coconut. I was, uh, you know, saving the, you know, you, you use the lid to eat the meat in the coconut. And I thought, I'll just go for a dip. When I came back, I was sitting on, sitting back on my lounger. I felt these eyes staring at me. And I turned around and there was this, you know, it, it was like a, a, the size of a small child sitting beside me and he snatched my coconut and he just devoured it. He ploughed his head into it. I have actually put a little video on my Instagram. Really? Yeah. Well, I, I jumped back. He didn't, he wasn't threatening me. And, you know, there's a strict no feeding the wildlife policy, but uh, he was just so intent on that coconut. The funny thing was that the resort I was staying in, which is the Datai, um, oh, beautiful, and we'll talk, yeah. we'll, we'll talk more about that later. The waiter, I, I, I ran to the waiter and I said, there's a monkey eating my coconut. What do I do? And because uh, I thought, is it dangerous? Is it going to attack me? And the waiter said, oh, uh, one moment. They, and it, he said, they don't take any notice of us, only of the security men, which have got different coloured uniforms. And that's when I understood why there were, there were security guards a couple of security guards on the beach. I thought, who's going to come? Are people going to paddle out from Thailand Paddle in, or something? yeah, yeah. It's nothing to do with that. It's to chase the monkeys away. But it was so funny because the monkey saw the security man, the man saw the monkey, and the man was smiling and laughing. And he was like, off you go. And the monkey was like, oh, seriously? And it grabbed the coconut and just melted into the jungle because that resort is completely surrounded by jungle yeah it is it it Um, is uh, i've been to that resort it's absolutely magnificent it tumbles down a a mountain was it a mountain or is it a hill what would you say from the top to the bottom it's a few hundred meters yeah absolutely and the the landscaping for it it it, it's yes as as we've said in the past you know why would you choose a site like this to to build a five-star resort, but the the point of it is, when you arrive, you're at the top of the hill, and you walk oh, into yeah. you walk into the lobby with its pond full of lily pads and flowers, and 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 full of frogs. So yep. you know, when it rains, they all they all sing, and it's just, do. it's magnificent. Mm. And then you look down, and the next tier is a beautiful serene pool. The tier after that is one of their restaurants, which is built, and it's all built in a very traditional style. And then it tumbles down, you can take steps down and you eventually work your way down to the Datai Beach. And that's where the resort got its name from, was, was this beautiful, perfect curve of sand yeah. um, that looks north to north to Thailand. Yeah. Speaking of, of, of the Datai and monkeys, when I, when I went there, the general manager, a German woman, took us to one of these villas. I think you may have stayed in a villa. But uh, they are like a cabin in the jungle. And uh, we were told you must keep your window shut, your shutter must be shut. And we said, oh, why is that? She said, because if you leave it open, the monkeys come in and they will pinch your M&Ms. 
But before they eat them, they will empty, they, could, they work out how to open the container, no matter what sort of container they use to put the M&Ms in, they, the monkeys can do it. So they open them and they line up all the different coloured M&Ms on the windowsill no. and they no. eat them one at a time. <laughs> and now I never saw this, I, but I took the general manager's suggestion and didn't leave the M&Ms out for the monkeys, but I just think that's fantastic. <laughs> That they lined them up and ate them. And I, I asked her, did they eat any particular colour first? Because there was an ad campaign going about, you know, did you eat the red one first? Or I can't remember what the campaign said. But there was a suggestion that humans were prone to picking their favourite colour and eating it first. She said, oh, no, no, but they must line them up. They don't put their hand in the jar 28 times to pull out an <laughs> M&M. So, oh, so there you go. A, but you stayed good. in one of these little villas, didn't you? Yeah, I think a cabin is a misnomer. Um, this The resort was designed by uh, an Australian architect, Kerry Hill. You know, he was based in Singapore, but he was one of those, He, you know, he, he became famous for what was known as tropical modernism. And it was designed in 1991. And, you know, and that's, that's a way of living in simpatico with the environment, with the with the environment around you. So there's, mm. you know, you've got thatched roofs and and timber, timber, timber paddling everywhere. Yeah. yeah, and my villa was a rainforest villa, so it was it was almost buried within the mid level of the. It was below the canopy, so it did seem uh, dark at times. But you'd, you'd step out onto the balcony and. There's just eyes everywhere. Yeah. Right. Oh, <laughs> everything, is, everything is waiting. Yeah. But, yeah, it, it was really quite thrilling because you really are immersed, you know, you just mm. at night. And it's not the kind of place that is playing loud music everywhere. You know, when you're lying by the pool, what you're listening to, you know, is the, is the sound, is, is birdsong and, um, yeah. you know, and the, and the lap of the ocean. You're not, uh, you know, and and people saying, oh, there's some monkeys, we better go and photograph them. You're not in an artificial place. So when you're in your rainforest villa, what you hear is the, the sound of the forest. You hear the rain as it as it trickles through the different layers of the rainforest. Mm. Oh, it's magnificent. You hear the wildlife and the birds. You know, he was such a significant architect in Asia. And, and now, you know, that style is emulated everywhere. But this is really, this is one of his great masterpieces in yeah. this virgin rainforest. Mm. No, I've, I've definitely undersold it, calling it a cabin. But I was thinking, <laughs> I was thinking timber. That you know, that's the, the unique feature of it. it. It isn't sort of rendered brick or uh, or any other stuff you might find in a flash, you know, uh, Maui um, facility. Uh, no, no, it's and, quite and the, distinctly you know, different, isn't it? The the that yeah. Yes, you've got. I mean, in, you know, instead of concrete, you've got natural stone walls, and mm. and and so when you do see the wildlife moving above, you know, moving through, and and um, you know, a much nicer but far more shy monkey was the uh, dusky langur, which has had, which has got like a white, almost like white sunglasses around its eyes. It's quite a, you know, really beautiful. Um, oh, okay. Monkey. So they they've got a couple of them, a couple of them there, and squirrels running all over the place, and. Um, and we even spotted sea otters as well. So oh. uh, yeah, yeah, which was amazing. So so they've built this they've built this resort to to work through the rainforest. And and what I found was amazing that from my rainforest villa, I could I could get up in the morning uh, and go for a walk. And within ten minutes, I was walking over a boardwalk that they'd built over the mangroves. Just a, a really simple timber boardwalk. Yeah. And under that, you know, mangroves are so rich, and so, you know the bird life. That you oh, see they are. The yeah. wildlife, and, and you know there were sea otters playing underneath the mangrove. That's it was, incredible. It was it was just astonishing. Yeah. And, uh, 
I, I think that that is, um, you know, that's the the richness of that of that property. It doesn't come, you know, this is this is luxury um, and this is wilderness. The the property only the resort only takes up ten percent of the land that the Datai own, so it's got this barrier around it right. that they're protecting. I mean, it doesn't come cheap. The, it is a five-star resort and yeah. it's got the appropriate price tag. But no, I think it's it. magnificent. I must say the Datai is distinctly different. It's um, it's something I found amazing, really. And, yeah. uh, you know, the food and all is great there. How did you find the food, say, compared with uh, Penang? Well, I, I think what I liked, I love a good breakfast buffet. I'm, you know, put, mm. show me a buffet, I'm a happy woman. Mm. But what I what I did like about it was that every morning there, there was a Malaysian corner on, on the buffet that was that would specialise in, in, a, in a particular dish. And uh, and the waiters got to know me very quickly that I would pretty much try anything. So yeah. they would they would help me every morning. You know, some of it was that you know the the breakfast of champions in my mind is is nasi lemak, which is you know the um, rice with your um, peanuts, dried anchovies, uh, um, an yeah. egg, and a, and a little bit of chicken curry. Not much, like not some whacking great thing, but you mm. know just that that lovely gravy over the top of it. And to me, I think that's the perfect breakfast. Yeah. So they'd make that, but then they do other variations. You know, with a Rice is, is coloured by the blue pea flour, which is really delicious, and yep. uh, different types of uh, roti, which is that Indian Indian um, influence, you know, fried bread, because who doesn't like fried bread at 7 o'clock in the morning? Like, yeah. really? <laughs> why, are you, why are you even on this planet if you're not eating fried bread at 7am? So I think that you could really explore the cuisine there. They also have, though, a fantastic Thai restaurant, on there, which it wow. seemed, at first I was like, why would you put a Thai restaurant? And they're like, well, you're looking at Thailand. The influences are very mixed. Compared to Penang, this is much more Malay. Yes. Uh, so, so it's you know it steps away from the the heavy Chinese influence that you'll find, particularly in the street food in Penang. Mm. So, you know, these were these were the dishes that we all know and love. And actually, can I point that I, I was actually using a new book that helped me sort of steer through some of this, which is uh, uh, hot off the press from Lonely Planet, which is called Eat Malaysia and Singapore. So it's a companion's guide. Belinda Jackson spoke to Graham Kemlo about her time on Longkawi, Malaysia. Her stories can be read in The Age and Sydney Morning Herald travel sections. This is The Travel Writer Show on J Air 88 FM in Melbourne.